Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. The spirit of a worship at Christmas is an important thing that, um, you know, the, the world, I love Christmas songs on the radio just because it makes me feel good. But I love the worship songs because it reminds me of what God has done for us. And uh, it's important in our lives that we discern the difference. Can you say amen? Um, good music is, it serves a purpose, uh, but God intended music to always bend our hearts towards His. And worship is an important part of Christmas. Uh, we are on week three in our series called Heaven on Earth. And uh, if you were with us in the beginning of the month, we talked about how God is with us. And we said, why is God with us? Well, so that we would never be alone while we're here on this earth. Last week, we talked about how God is for us and how your start doesn't determine your future. And remember, the the beginnings of Christ's, uh, Christ's time on earth was not grandiose, it was very humble. As he was, there, was, there wasn't even room in the inn. They had to use the stable. And so your start doesn't determine your future. And this week, we are going to be talking about how God is in us. How God is in us. And we've talked about the fact that through Jesus' birth, restoration between God and man became possible for everyone. Remember, we said God with relationship. That's what he cares about. Not religion. He cares about relationships. So the birth of Jesus restored that relationship for us between God and man. And then with his birth, we also have the marriage between heaven and earth. And that was declared when God sent his son. And by the way, uh, in scripture, the church is called the bride of Christ as well. So there's that, that picture of marriage. And so what happens there in heaven is meant to impact here, earth. And so today, as we look at the reality of God in us, um, imagine with me Mary, who's with child. She's pregnant. Imagine with me for a second, if you've ever seen a pregnant lady, just imagine that, right? The promise came to her that she was going to bear the son, the savior of the world, special baby, right? Over time, it would begin to show. So Jesus on the inside becomes visible to those on the outside looking at her. In the same way for you and for me, when God says that he dwells in us and he lives in us, when people look at your life, what do they see? Because they should, there should be evidence, maybe it's not big and round, Uh, But there should be evidence in your life that God is in you. God is in you. There has to be evidence. And what if I told you that as it's no different for us, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not my thinking. Colossians 1.27 says it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when people look at you, do they see the hope? Do they see the joy? Or do they see... Ugh, what's wrong with them, right? God, if he's in me, there should be something different about me. 
that when people look at me, they can see Christ in me, the hope of glory. And you see, in the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit would come, it, he would come upon people. But in the New Testament, God willed it that the Holy Spirit would dwell inside of you and me. And so today, this is the whole purpose of the message, is that we would understand that through His Holy Spirit, God wants to dwell inside of every person, and especially in the life of the believer. Ephesians 2.22 says this, And in Him, Jesus, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So how is God in us? It's through His Holy Spirit. It's through His Holy Spirit. Colossians 1, verse 15 to 20. We're going to get there in a second. But if you have your Bible, stand with me and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And I just want to read three verses as we get started in today's message. Heaven on earth, God is in us. Genesis chapter 1 is the very, very first chapter in your Bible. We'll also have it on the screen. Beginning at verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then jump to chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your presence in this room. Lord, I thank you that we've worshipped you in singing, in lifting our hands, Lord, in giving. And today, Father, as we listen to the word, may we not just be hearers of the word, but God, may it produce action in our lives. Lord, I thank you for Jesus Christ, the, the greatest gift that we've ever been given. And Lord, I pray today that this message would come alive in every heart. I ask now for the anointing upon my mind, my lips, and my heart as I speak your word Lord, I pray you would accomplish everything you want it to in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. To understand how God dwells in us, I think it's important for us to look at how God created us. That's why we read the account in Genesis chapter 1 and then the one verse in chapter 2. But in Colossians 1, it kind of expounds on Jesus' role in, in this whole thing called creation and how you and I exist and function today. And we're not going to read through all the verses, but I'm going to just paraphrase and walk us through them. Because to begin to fathom the idea that God desires to live in us through His indwelling Holy Spirit, we have to understand uh, what Christ has done. So verse 15 of Colossians 1 talks about how Christ is the visible image 
of the invisible God. So Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And so when the Bible describes it in John chapter 1, like he put on flesh and dwelt among us, it's basically that relational part. Like no one has seen God. It says in John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, but the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. So though we can't say, well, I've seen God, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you guess what? You've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he was telling this, obviously, to his disciples, those who were close to him. But today, we have the Word of God. And we understand that Jesus was, here on earth, the visible image of the invisible God. That's verse 15. Verse 16 tells us that through him... God created everything, and everything is created through him and for him. I remember in Bible school, I was taking a class called Essentials to Worship, because I did my minor in music in Bible school. Everyone majored in, in, Bible, in biblical theology, but I minored in music, um, just because God has gifted me in that way. It's not something that I achieved, although you have to practice to get good um, and to make use of what God has given you. But in this class, Essentials to Worship, our teacher made us memorize the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And it asks this question, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That forever being while we're here, but also especially for eternity. So here's something important. If you have a hard time during worship here and you're a believer, what are you going to do for all of eternity? Are you going to be like a sour grape saying, I don't like this, right? But we have to learn that worship is something we were created to do. For it says in verse 16 that we were created through him and for him. You can't separate it. You were created to worship, and you have to understand the importance. Now, because that's a fact, we worship corporately every single Sunday at 10.30 a.m. I just want to put it out there. I encourage you, be eager for our time of worship. Be here on time at 10.30 when we start. I pray it gets to the point where it's like, Pastor, get off the stage so we can, we can worship together as a church. Because there's something powerful that happens when we begin to do what we've been created to do. Remember, God is in us. And we have to let that out. And music is a great expression that we can use. The devil will always twist and pervert this incredible gift. We're going to talk about it later, though, in this message. We're going to get back to it. So... We're, everything is created through him, Jesus, and for him. Verse 17 of Colossians 1. He existed before anything else. He is first. Uh, he holds all creation together. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So apart from Christ, to me it tells us that the world as we know it would be chaos. I mean, it might look like chaos, but it would be far worse. But he holds everything together. It also means that he's in control. Even when we feel like he's not. 
Even when we feel like, what's wrong with this society? Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, come quickly. Right? But he holds everything together. When, when you stop and you could think on that one thing, like how the sun and the world and the earth, everything is like the exact measurements of how this earth sits, how it rotates, how it's on its axis, all of these details, it's like, of course, he's holding it all together. Because if we moved any closer to the sun, we would be burnt raisins. We wouldn't be here anymore. We would die. But this is the handiwork of God through his son Jesus. Verse 18 tells us that he is the head of the church, his body. And he is first in everything. He is first in everything. Question for you, is he first in your life? Maybe he was first at the beginning of the year. Is he still first at the end of the year? He's first in everything. In verse 19, God was pleased to live in Christ. I actually want to read this because we read it two weeks ago. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. In verse 20, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so Colossians 1, these verses that we've been reading, help us to recognize the role that Jesus plays in creation. He wasn't apart from it. He was there. We read it in Genesis 1. God said, let us create man in our image. The us there is representative of the, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you see, if you look in the beginning, Genesis 1 it tells us also that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So you have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit present at creation. You know, we also see them present at Jesus' baptism. And we, we hear that there's the voice from heaven, from the Father. And then there's the symbol of the Holy Spirit as it comes down in the form of a dove. And then... We have Jesus. Very significant moment for Jesus because his ministry was about to take off. And you know what's really important for you and for me to understand? The ministry of Jesus didn't end with Jesus. It continues on today through his church, through you and through me. And so God saw fit for his son to come to, to begin to reconcile humanity back to God, but the ministry of reconciliation continues today through His church, through you and through me. And that's why we need His Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of us, because if we are to be used by God to do anything on this earth, we need the divine empowerment of His Holy Spirit. Amen. I need it. I don't know if you do. I need His divine empowerment through his Holy Spirit. So to appreciate that God dwells in us, we don't have to look much further than how God created us. How God created us. We read from Genesis 1, but the bulk of today's message is going to sit right there. I'm very passionate today about this message because I want to make sure that you understand it as much as I do. Uh, not that I know all things, but once, once I lay hold of this word for my life, I said, God, I need your church to get it. Because we need to understand how you made us, how you empowered us, so that we can walk in the fullness of it. 
So in Genesis 1, we learn that God spoke everything into existence. And this is nothing new for Weston, because I've said this before. If you want to go back to Genesis 1 and read it later, I encourage you to do it. But it says how God spoke, and it was. God spoke, and there was light. God spoke, and, and there was night. And then God created the heavens and the earth. God spoke the world into existence. And we sang that this morning. You spoke the world into creation. I'm bad with lyrics. But if you know it, you know it. And the beauty of you and me is when it came to creating us, mankind, or if I want to be politically correct, people kind, to make our, our prime minister happy, uh, I'm going to just stay, stick with humanity. When God chose to create, he said, let us make man in our image. It wasn't enough just to speak it. But God took it upon himself as a personal project that we're going to get a little dirty on this one. Because I need it to look a specific way. I need my creation to, to be able to do specific things that the animals can't. You see, when he created man, he said, I give you authority, dominion over everything else that I spoke. I give you dominion. And the thing is, God had to form man out of the dust. So God, number one, I want to stick with my notes. The hand of God, number one. We're going to get there in a second. But when you read about verse 27 of Genesis 1, God created human beings in his own image. That word created in Hebrew is bara, B-A-R-A. And this, it's a verb, obviously, because it's an action. This verb means to generate something into existence. Bara, to generate something into existence. But here's the interesting part. It implies craftsmanship. Craftsmanship. I'm not good with my hands. Ask my wife. To hang a, a picture frame, it took me like an hour. Um, and it still does. This was like when we first got our house. It still takes me about an hour because, and now she's like, I'll just walk out of the room. I'm like, yes, please. And you know, you miss, you miss the, the nice piece of wood in the wall. What's that called? The stud. I was going to say the joist. You miss the stud. The screw falls out. Everything is loose. The hole's this big. And you're like, I don't know what I, I need plaster now. That was me in the beginning. It's still me today. But, but I'm not that good with my hands. On a computer, I can figure that thing out with networking, internet, all that stuff. God wired my brain, not my hands, uh, except for drumsticks and musical instruments. So it implies craftsmanship, which implies the use of your hands. I look at people and, and what they're able to create, kitchen cabinets, uh, paintings, all these incredible things and how you can build structures with wood and nails. And I'm looking at it and I go, I, I understand it because I can look at it, but to do it myself, no clue how. God, when he created you and me, it implies craftsmanship. You are fashioned by the hand of God. You're created intentionally. The Bible says that God knows every intricate detail 
about your life. He knows how you were formed because he created you while you were in your mother's womb. This is who God is. And in Genesis 2, 7, it tells us that he formed man from the dust of the ground. He formed man from the dust of the ground. And this implies the hand of God. So you express the hand of God on the earth. As you walk about, see, I don't know what your self-image is in your head, the story you replay, the labels that you've received and that you accept. But I want you to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That when God looks at you, he says, you're my beautiful son, you're my beautiful daughter, because you're my creation. I look at my kids and I say, I created you. You know, I said that to Josiah this past week, and my wife rolled her eyes. She's like, you're so weird. But I said, it's true. It's true. It takes two, right? But, but God, through us, allowed us to have this son. And it, he's incredible. They're all incredible. Because I stand and I say, like, I would never six years ago think about disciplining you when you were first born. You're so cute. And today that's all I dream about doing. (laughs) Discipline. Discipline. Right? But guess what? In the Father's eyes, my children are beautiful. Doesn't matter what they do. Right? I'll discipline them. I'll correct their course. Of course we will. God does that in our lives. But when I look at them, they're the apple of my eye. And God looks at you. And you think, I'm no good, I'm this, I did that, I'm dirty, I'm unclean, uh, I'm ugly, I'm, I'm too small, I'm too big. We have all of these things, and God's saying, but I love you. I love you just the way you are. I created you. You are my handiwork. And you are an instrument that I desire to use, and not just to use, because maybe your story is you've been used and abused and then discarded. I don't know. God's desire is to dwell inside of you, not to use you and move on. God is with us, God is for us, and God desires to live inside of us. Can you say amen? The hand of God. God formed man from the dust of the ground. Genesis chapter 2 also tells us that we express the breath of God. We express the breath of God. For it says in chapter 2, verse 7 of Genesis, actually I'm in Colossians now. Let me go back there. That it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, but then he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And only then, and the man became a living person. So he was able to speak everything into existence. But when it came to creating You and me, mankind, he chose to form us with his hands and then to put his breath inside of our lungs. And that's why I love that song. It's your breath in our lungs. So what's our natural response? So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise, right? His breath, my lungs. His breath gives me life. His breath inside of me. So therefore, when I open my mouth, I'm called to express heaven on earth. I'm called to express heaven on earth. It wasn't enough for God just to create Adam. He said, I'm going to 
form him, but I'm going to put my breath inside of his lungs. And this is the beauty of creation, is that God wanted us to know that he is inside of us with the breath we breathe every day that we have. So we have the hand of God, we express the breath of God, and we also express the image of God. For we read it in chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, where he says, uh, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And then verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so there's this resemblance. And I know we're called to reflect the light and glory of Christ to this earth. But we were also created in his image. Do I know the fullness of what that actually means? I don't think I could grasp it with my finite mind. But all I know is that as I live and move and have my being, I'm in his image as I walk this earth. I, I should look more and more like Christ. What I do, what I say. But when people see you, do they see the handiwork of God? They should. The image of God. The next one you are to express is the sound of heaven. The sound of heaven. Psalm 150 says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't some food for thought. It was a command in the word of God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. How you can praise the Lord? With the stringed instruments, with the lyre, with the crashing of the cymbals, with the tambourine, with the harp, with the piano. You can use your creative imagination with the stomping of feet and the clapping of hands, with the shout of your voice. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Psalm 150 is a command. It's not a suggestion that we as a church ought to release the sound of heaven on earth. This is what God put on the inside of us. And this is where I get super passionate. And I'll tell you why. I preached a message on this, I don't know, about a year or two ago. The devil, Lucifer, the light of heaven. He used to be the choir director in heaven. And he would awaken the morning with song, with music. But here's the problem. When the praise was directed to God, he thought, I'm going to take it for me instead. And we as humans were never created to carry the weight of praise. And this is what happens with a lot of celebrities. And I'm amazed as a musician at heart, I know a lot of them get their start in church. Like we saw Alexis and Marissa today. Singing, using their gifts um, part, as a part of our youth group. But just imagine a lot of these people that are on the radio today, selling out arenas across the world. A lot of them started out singing in youth group and in church for the choir and on stage. But today, they have people filling up arenas, lifting their hands as they take the stage. Worship was never designed to be received by man but it's supposed to be received by God in heaven. Lucifer had a problem because he was prideful. And he said, I want this to go towards me instead of directing it towards God. Listen, also in terms of compliments, 
it's not wrong to receive a compliment, but you have to always watch your motivation and your ego. Because if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, people come up to pastor, great word. I, I could say, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I worked hard on this one, right? I, uh, it's funny, but I tell you, every single time I receive a compliment, sometimes I have a hard time. Uh, I'm grateful for it. It's encouraging for me. But, you know, if I feel like thanks but, right, it's not that I can't receive a compliment. It's just that I know that it's God in me. And through me, that it, you're actually complimenting God's work. And, and just, I'm the willing vessel. So it's important that we just make sure the ego doesn't get inflated. Because once that happens, then I'm going to live off of the praises of people. And I've said this before, that we don't live to please people, right? We live to please heaven. And so thank you for compliments. We can receive compliments. They're encouraging. Sometimes God wants us to be encouraged by the compliments. Just check your heart. That's all I'm saying. Check, check your ego. And you just say, God, I thank you. Thank you. Redirect the praise. Lucifer didn't understand that and couldn't do it. He had to take it. And there is no equal with God. So he was cast out of heaven. But if, if you dig enough or find that old sermon that I preached... It says that he was created with percussive instruments and instruments in his mouth. And he was able to produce sound. But I want you to know that when God gave us breath in our lungs, the vocal cords rub and it produces sound. That you don't even need instruments to praise the Lord. That God gave you the very first instrument and the only one that you would ever need to praise the Lord. But here's the important revelation for you today, in case you missed the sermon back then. Is that when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he, he was cast on the earth. He lost his position in heaven. Well, who's going to worship God? Who's going to lead the praise? I heard a message also recently about, about this very subject. Who's going to give God the praise? And I could just envision the devil saying, Haha, like, I'm not there, so what are you going to do now? And what did God do? What's lower than being on this earth? The dust of the earth. And he formed you and me from the dust. And then he said, I'm going to put the breath, my breath, inside of them. And every time you hear uh, Sally, Joe, Mark, Mary worshiping you we're reflecting the sound of heaven and the devil's there screeching that's why it's important to make sure that the devil never steals the praise from your mouth and your lips it's important that it doesn't matter what comes your way that you always have a song in the night to sing because no no matter what the weapon is i want you to know that we win no matter what the weapon is i want you to know that we win it's important to understand we're going to get to the last way that God expresses himself through us. But I want you to know in, in Romans, um, let me just find that scripture that I have for you. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. 
The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Therefore, if Jesus said, I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. I must go so that the Holy Spirit can come. You know what that meant? It meant that what Jesus did on earth, it served its purpose. But he had to go and Jesus said, greater works shall you do. That's only possible if we receive divine empowerment. And so Jesus knew that. So he said, I'm going to go, but my Father's going to send the Advocate, the Helper, the Holy Spirit. So the last thing that we express on the earth is the Spirit of God. Because he put it on the inside of you and me. John 14 is where Jesus said he had to go to the Father, and the Father would send the Holy Spirit Romans 8.11 tells us that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. So it's important you understand. We went through all of that, how God formed us to understand that God put His Holy Spirit inside of us as a deposit, as our assurance for our ministry and for our life. The Holy Spirit. God said, I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. I don't know of any other created thing or creator that would do that. But God, but God, there's no one like him. There's no one like him. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and he didn't fail in his mission. He didn't fail in his mission. So when you and I go through hard times, it's Christmas time. I know for a lot of people, it's family, it's fun, it's presents, it's gifts, it's hot cocoa and, and Christmas trees and movies. For other people, this could be the worst time of your year, of, of your life maybe, who knows. Where you're like, this year is the worst year I've ever had. This year I'm alone. This year, you know, it just keeps getting harder and harder. I don't know. But I want you to know that God went through great lengths to show you how much He loves you, how valuable you are, and how much you're worth. So much so that He would even dare to put His own Spirit inside of you. For God chose not to dwell in temples made with human hands like in the Old Testament, but he chose to dwell inside of you. Every believer. Every single believer. So if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he didn't fail at his mission. Guess what? Hope. Hope. We have hope. We have this confident hope. Christ Jesus in us. The hope of glory. And I don't know if we live like it. I don't know if we talk like it. I don't know if we walk like it's true. But I'm here to declare that it is true. And he's given us permission. He's given us access today to all of his resources. To all of his resources. The question is, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with this incredible gift? What are we doing with the gift of his Holy Spirit? What are we doing? God has called us to continue the work that Christ started. And as a church, I'm speaking into things that maybe you don't understand or see yet. But I know that the best is still to come.
I know that that maybe is a catchphrase that you've heard year after year after year, um, but I don't care because I'm declaring it. If, if 2019 is a year of promise, I can't say but the best is yet to come because I believe it for our church and I'm believing it's, see, it's, when I say it's for our church, it first applies to you as the individual because collectively, once that makes sense for you and we begin to live in light of God's promises, when we get together as the church, then we're going to see collectively what God is doing for this house. And, and it's going to be from strength to strength. God's promises are yes and amen. And so Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. But that has to continue through you and through me every single day. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And so we don't win the war and fight the battle with this. They're not big, I know. So just imagine with me. We don't win the war with this. But we, we win by His Spirit. By His Spirit. And it's important, prayer and fasting. I'm going to drive it home until we pray and close this service. And for next week until we launch on the 6th of January. Because some of us desire breakthrough. And some of us desire more of this Holy Spirit lifestyle that I'm talking about. But you can't buy it. You can't just show up, take a ticket at the deli counter line, and say, I'll have a couple of slices of the Holy Spirit, which should last me for the rest of the week. And then next Sunday you show up and you pull another number. That's not how God intended it. This is a I wake up every day type of thing. And Lord, I need more because unless your spirit shows up, I don't know what I'm going to do today. This is the dependence and the reliance we need. That God, unless you fill me again, afresh and anew, I leak and I run out and I need more. And so when we spend time in God's presence, He fills us up till it overflows. And when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, it's a great chapter. If you want to read it, read it. But He says that, I'll give you water that will never run dry. You'll never thirst again. She couldn't understand because they were at the well. They were about to draw up water from the well in a bucket. But he was speaking about the promise of his Holy Spirit. That when you get a taste of what God has for your life through his Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Listen, I can't force you to commit to praying and fasting. I can just lead you to that decision and then allow you to make the choice. But I know that I'm better because of His Spirit's work in my life. That I wouldn't be the man I am today, or the husband I am today, or the father I am today, or the friend that I, I seek to be today without the work of His Holy Spirit in my life. 1 John 4 verse 4, Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we need this Holy Spirit. We need His Holy Spirit. To be effective at life. My, my wife, you know, with the end of the school year, uh, if I can just use this quick example, she had her Christmas presentation. After we did ours at church last Sunday, hers was on Tuesday with her, her whole school that she leads. And she's like, uh, like running like crazy, 100 miles an hour. And I just said, babe, you are anointed to live this life. Don't forget it. Don't forget. Don't forget it. You're anointed to live this life. Some of you need to remember that. You're anointed to live this life. 
Some of us just want the ticket out. I just, Lord, let me just go to heaven. Let me experience the joys of heaven with no stress, no pressure. Listen, God is the one who sets those times. But in the here and now, we're called to be effective. We're called to reflect His image. We're called to release the sound of heaven. We have His breath in our lungs. And we have the greatest song of all. It's the song of the redeemed. I don't know if you know that, but there's a song that the angels can't sing. And we're going to close with this. There's a song that the angels can't sing. You know, they came and they sang to the shepherds. We talked about that last week. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. But there's a song the angels can't sing. And it's the song of the redeemed. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed of the Lord say so. That means I have to be ready to tell it. I have to be ready to speak about what God has done. And so without shame, it's like, God, you've put the breath. You've put the story. You're, you're the one writing the story. My job is just to tell all about it. Tell everyone about it. And we need to understand the song of the redeemed is a song the angels can't sing. So when we worship church, not only are we sending a signal to the devil, reminding him of what heaven sounds like, but we are literally singing a song of the redeemed. The angels never experienced salvation, but we have through Jesus Christ. God sent him through with humility to earth that he would relate to you and to me. Thank you so much for listening to our Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.